¿Quieres pedo, güey? No, chale. Chale, chale, chale. ¿Quieres pedo? No, chale. chale. Ya sabes que a mí me vale. Me vale. ¿Quieres pedo? No, chale. Chale. Welcome to Suplexes and Cervezas with Chavo Guerrero Jr. I'm your host, Chavo Guerrero Jr. Hey, thanks for joining me today. Today on the podcast, I bring to you somebody who is very, very special to me and uh, to the whole Guerrero family. He has intertwined with my entire family from Chavo Classic to Eddie, to me, to my uncle Mondo, and I think to my uncle Hector also, and a guy that that just very special to me and uh, is very special to the wrestling world also. I know we only live about an hour and a half away from each other, but because of his busy schedule and because of mine, he might as well live on the other side of the world. Here's a guy who's been my friend, my arch rival, part of my family, and a guy that I've just had so much history with in my career, and uh, I don't think my career would have been the same without him. Today, I'm very proud, very happy to bring to you an interview with my friend, the one and only Mr. 619, Ray Mysterio Jr. Buyaka, buyaka. So what's going on, bro? Nothing, man. Life is beautiful right now. Yeah? Yeah. Awesome, There's man. There's so many for... things that have happened in yeah? the last couple of years. I know, right? It's been a while since we caught up. Yep. Since you went back. Yeah, I know. I know, uh... I mean, we were talking about this earlier. You left WWE in 2013. Right. I, le I left in uh, 2000. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, perfect. I left uh, probably a year after you left. Yeah, I you think know, so, then, right? Then we, went, we, we uh, crossed paths again in uh, Lucha Underground. That was awesome, right? Yes. Lucha was great. That was fun. That was fun. I man. remember you coming and watching Lucha, and you were kind of, you are like, damn, damn bro. You're yeah. like, and then these guys are doing all of this shit, right? Yeah, and we, you yeah. and I were like, Man, I, I, I remember you look at me going, I, dude, we, I, even when we were healthy, we couldn't do all this no, shit, right? It's no. <laughs> that new, the new breed, the new generation that, that uh, you know, now eventually some of that talent is, is either in Mexico or wrestling in Japan, you know, or part of AEW. Yeah. Like Penta and Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. You know? the, oh, the, the, the Lucha Bros. Yes. That's why I call them the new yeah. Hermanos Dinamita because uh, those guys are fire, man. They're, they're awesome, right? Yeah. And good guys, man. I love working yeah. with them. I was working, uh, uh, me and Penta were, were tagging, and uh, down comes Phoenix from the rafters, right? And Penta goes, Chinga tu madre. And I went, Wait a minute. <laughs> that's your same mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's your mom, bro. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, man. And, and, uh, to, to think about the fact that uh, Conan was the one who apparently spotted them at one time, you know, and brought them into AAA. Right. You know, so I, I've always known that Conan has a good eye for talent, man. Great eye. And, and, uh, Great eye for you talent. Know, look at what happened, man. Their careers evolved so fast within a matter of years, and they were, they were uh, selected to be some of the stars right now in the U.S. I know. When I, when, it's funny, though, because when they first came into, into Lucha, like we're going like, wow, these guys are amazing, but they need to slow down. <laughs> yeah, but Dorian, who was the you know the head of AAA, AAA yeah. he didn't really want to push him. He was like, ah, you know, we should push these guys instead. And we're going, 
no, these guys are these yeah. are this is the future. These yeah. guys are amazing. They're like, well, yeah. they're okay. And then after Lucha, they just blew up. You know? Yeah, and, and also which a lot of us breaking in from the Mexican style into the U.S. Right. I, I didn't pick up on it right away. It took me a while. Right. Well, yeah, but you had Dean and Eddie yes. helping you, you know. But but even even back then, you know, uh, you could tell more Penta than Phoenix that he understood that psychology where it's a gimmick. It's and so he had the gimmick, the fuck, the zero, 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 yeah. zero, zero, zero yeah. you know, that, that's all part of the gimmick. And right. it worked. It worked, man. Yeah, right. those guys are awesome. I, I'm so happy to see them doing well. I'm so happy to see so many people from Lucha yeah. doing well. And they were already great talents. We helped. I like to think that we helped mold them a little bit, you know. Yeah. No, but, I think we. I think a lot. A you lot, know, a but lot like of, you look at uh, you know, Fantasma now over there. Yes. You know, um, Strickland, Garza, Garza, yeah, yeah Garza, all those yes. guys. They're yeah. man, like so many people are just doing really well. And then in, in Mexico too, and in, in AEW, these mm -hmm. guys are they're killing it. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, Garza, I don't know if you've seen him work, but but uh, re big resemblance, huge to uh, to Garza back in WCW. I mean, oh, they really? Move, they move exactly. That's his uncle. Oh, it is. That's, that's his, right. Yeah, that's, his uncle. that's right. That's his uncle. So, um, you know, you could probably say that it, it looks more like him. Right. He, he can fall under the appearance of being his son because they look so much and they move so much alike. Yeah. Yeah. Both good looking guys yes. and just good workers. Yeah. Very, very athletic. Yeah. Good size. Yeah. yeah. Those guys were really good for sure. Who trained you? How did you start wrestling basically? So I, I started very young, um, playing around in the ring at first, and I have very light memories of, of going in the ring after the wrestling class was over with my uncle. With your uncle, Ray Mysterio six, Sr. Six years old, yes, Ray right. Mysterio Sr. You know, and just rolling around, like playing in the ring, mm. what kids would normally do at wrestling events in Tijuana, uh, either before the match started, They'd let yeah. the kids go in the ring and, and hit the ropes, you know, and uh, that's just part of the, the culture in, in yeah. Lucha Libre. And then after the show was over, you were able to step in there and have some fun as well. Um, so that's how my, my first baby steps took place inside a ring. Once I was a bit older and I was admitted to the class, they let me be part of the class. I was the youngest kid in there, probably had to have been eight years old. And the youngest one... Besides me, was probably 17, 16 years old. So, really? And my, my uncle would normally start the class, and then somebody would, uh, would take over. You know, so uh, you know, I started pretty much at the age of eight. Wow. Hitting the ropes, wow. tumbling. Uh, right. You know, you don't, you don't start off right away learning what you would like to learn. It's a process. Well, you know? yeah, you just like to just play in the ring. Yes. We're playing. They want to make it fun for us, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what it was. I always remember getting in the ring and just wanting to pro wrestle. And my, my family always saying, first, amateur. Yeah. And I was like, really? Like, yeah, amateur wrestle first. I'm like, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. But I wanted just to go off the ropes and stuff. You know? Well, you have that history, too. I mean, right. your, your family is, is more powerful than mine because of the generations that that came out of your family but the fact that i i wasn't pushed into doing uh amateur wrestling you know uh we did a little bit of that 
as part of uh, the class when I started rest when right. I started training. Right. But overall, you know, it wasn't big. It wasn't big within us, within the Misterio family. Mm. But the Guerrero family, oh yeah, it's yeah. been known for that. Well, it was amateur. And, yeah. You know, we were always wanted you know <laughs> we all want to shoot different stuff like that you know <laughs> but that comes from your grandpa right my grandpa yeah, yeah he was a tough well see in his era you had to be tough you had yeah. to be able to take care of yourself yeah or and you know in mexico that's that's the style yes. too but you had to take care of yourself or they would just run right through you they would test you they absolutely test you. yes i got tested several times oh yeah and even though uh um you know my appearance has always been smaller uh strength has always been less than than others i was always given opportunities where i had either uh show what i had or you're out of here hit the bricks yeah so so and a lot of guys like fuerza guerrera like blue panther right you know like uh, los destructores Mm -hmm. uh cien caras rascaraño 2000 you know i was just a kid but stepping in the ring with these guys you know that that i grew up watching which was real crazy did they take care of you in there or did they try you? Because when I first met you, you were in Triple uh, A. Yeah. And I, th- I think I met you maybe, I don't know if it was like a Triple Mania, the one, or right before that. Mm-hmm. But Eddie was wrestling with Art Bar. Yes. Uh-huh. And that's when I first met you and you were already established there, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it, they, they did try me. And when I say try, they weren't, they would shoot with me, mm-hmm. but I didn't really know or have the knowledge to defend myself mm. but more than shooting they would just beat the shit out of me every time like i was taking a beating did they take advantage not, oh, of you oh yeah, yeah yeah but but uh not to hurt me uh-huh. like to feel it which is yeah. very very different you know just to get themselves over basically yes i mean i've seen that happen so many times with you to where you know p- big guys for some reason they feel a need to just bump yep. you and bump you and bump you and I would always pull guys aside and say, you don't need to do that with Ray. Right. In fact, it hurts you to be able to bump the heck out of him so much. It helps him because he looks yeah. like Superman. Yeah. But it hurts you because you can't beat this guy after, after you know, blowing him up yes. 20 times. Yeah. And I was just say, just watch. Watch when I work Ray. I, I don't bump him. Yeah. I just punch him and kick him in the corner and that stuff. And that's all I need yeah. because if I keep bumping him, then when I do bump him for three amigos or stuff off the top, doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Yep. yep. Absolutely right. right? And, and in Mexico, you know, psychology is different, but I would get my ass beat pretty much every night. And especially when I was doing angles with certain guys, right? like they would make sure that they got everything in and I just got just a little. Yeah. But at yeah. the end of the day, that little was me winning. You know, and, and that, that's all, all day I, long. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's, that's where the whole image of the underdog started to evolve and people are buying into me, even right. though uh, my size and how skinny I was, they're like, man, this kid can, can go. They saw something. Yeah. Yeah. You had something though. There was a, I say this so many times, people compare themselves like the hits, he's the next Ray Mysterio, the new Ray Mysterio. Yeah. And I was to say, no, no, there's one. And that's it. Just like I hear right now, sometimes people are comparing people to Eddie. I said, unfortunately, there's one. And that's it. I'm not saying that they don't have maybe some tendencies because everybody wants to copy him and copy you. Right. But there's only one. There's only one. one Shawn Michaels. There's only going to be one Undertaker. That's right. uh, You know, you you work so hard to establish your position that it's hard to, to try to duplicate somebody else. You yeah. can always imitate, like you said, you can imitate their, their maneuvers or, or the way they move in the ring. But uh, as far as creating 
another one? No. That's impossible. it. That's impossible. it. There's one. I'll That's tell you what, though. Totally. I, um, with, when I came back to WWE in 2018, I started working with Andrade. Mm, and yeah. his style, and again, mm -hmm. his style, not saying that he is, right. but his style reminded me so much of Eddie's style. Really? Yes, very much. Still to this day, I always say that. I said, uh, he knows his positioning. He knows mm -hmm. where to be, especially working against me. Nice. Because we grew up. Uh, yeah. with that lucha style that, so, yeah. and Eddie Eddie was the same way you know he knew exactly where he needed to be if I wasn't in the right place he would tell me where I needed to be so it could happen the way it needed to Eddie's timing bro was impeccable Eddie. that match that you guys had at um, Halloween Havoc Halloween Havoc yeah and the one when you uh, we, I'd never seen it before and I don't know if you'd ever done it but when you did the backflip no that in, was the first time into the like the, the, DDT? the DDT yes and I watch, and I was like, "How did this happen? Like, what was that? Like, wow!" And then I see Eddie's when you jump and you started doing the flip and you kept rotating. And Eddie, just his positioning—I mean, it was magic. To be honest, I can't even remember if I—I I could swear that 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 move wasn't something that we wanted to do. Right. We knew something was going to happen there. We just didn't know what <laughs> didn't was going to happen. No, but uh, um, and I and I again, I can't recall if if. Right there on the moment, he said, backflip. And, and he positioned himself because he, he never let my hand go. Right. So when I did the backflip, I don't know if he just kind of tucked it in his, in his head. And then we came down to the DDT, which we tried that several times after, but it would never be the same. You, that was you, a one time. You can't practice that. No. That was something that just happened. It was magic for that night. Yeah. And you, that's the beautiful thing about wrestling. Yeah. The way it should be is improvisation. Yeah, yeah. You could never duplicate that. No. There's so many different things that he and I did together that we wouldn't, couldn't have planned and could not have duplicated. Yeah. It just happened. Yeah. It was a one-time thing, and people remember like, wow, God, that was it. That's what makes our sport so special, that we can create magic in one night that can be remembered forever. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah. How, how old were you in your first match? I was 14. 14 going into 15 years old. And this, and, this is funny because... We've known each other for, you know, 20 plus years, if not more. <laughs> yeah. And we've never talked about this. No. You know, I may have heard you in other interviews, but I've never yeah. really known. So again, your first match. So I was 14 years old going into 15. And that's because I was bugging the shit out of my uncle that I wanted to wrestle. I wanted to wrestle. I told him that I felt ready. You know, I had only been training for maybe six years, but yeah. it felt like an eternity for me. Right. Um, but the hardest part, as you know, in Mexico, because I know you've been through some issues with these people, the commission. Oh, God. <laughs> we won't go into detail, but the, I know. <laughs> the, wrestling, the wrestling and boxing commission of Tijuana is still to this day, they're, they're just, they're hard. They need, they need hard. that grease money. Yes, yeah. yes, they do. So in order for me to get a license to become a wrestler, which is like you want to drive okay you got to go take a driving test right for wrestling in mexico you had to go take your wrestling test you know and and it was uh based on on three levels i think it was uh conditioning uh mat wrestling and then the last one was uh simulating the match wow so i took the test i passed it after that the hard part was okay you're underage now you got to get your parents to sign a letter saying that if something were to happen, if a promoter booked you, that they would not be responsible. Your parents are giving you the authorization. So if you get hurt, it's up to you and your family to if take care. If Cien Caras kicks your ass, <laughs> that's, that's on you. It, that's it. So uh, 
I was able to get that letter from my parents. They signed it off. Commission. I think this was probably the first time in wrestling history yeah. where they let or they gave a, a wrestling license to a, a kid that was then turned 15 years old. Wow. So you were 14? Yeah. 14 years old. Wow. Crazy, huh? That's crazy. I mean, back then everything was different. Sure. You can't get away with it now. But yeah, it, right. was, it was special. So I, they were doing this, this event in the parking lot of a church in Tijuana. And that was my first show in front of maybe 50 people, 50 kids. So I knew Gordy, one of the Freebirds, right? Yes. He was 15 when he did his first match, but he looked like he was a 25-year-old man. Already. He was huge. He was a big guy yeah. already. But you, when you were 15. I looked like I was 12 or 10. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've always had uh, the appearance of being younger without right. the mask. And that's good, man. That's good. Me I mean, too. Not, now it's good. Yeah. You know, now that I'm 45, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and people they still card me. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. right? I, just, yeah. I know. It's true. I yeah. get the same thing. Yeah. That's a good thing because when you're younger, you want to look older. Yes. And now that we're older, we want to look younger. Yes. <laughs> you know? well, a, a funny story too. Uh, Conan tells us a lot. So when I, start, when I did my first match at the age of 14, you know, started doing a little bit of matches here and there. I uh, wasn't in pain much. I just wanted the experience. I wanted to feel right. like, okay, I'm a wrestler now. Um, probably at the age of 16, they would run wrestling shows up at bars in L.A., so that's where I met Mondo, oh, and really? I got a chance to wrestle Mondo at the age of 16, where because I wasn't over the age, they would tell me, go in with the mask, never take it off, you know, and if they card you, just tell them you're 22. So wow. sneaking in through the back of the bars, and we were wrestling in front of, I don't know, maybe 50, 100 people at bars in L.A., and I was 16 years old. You know, I remember him telling me about you. So I started training when I was maybe 19. Mm -hmm. I started training maybe 20. El Paso? No, here in Los Angeles with with Mondo. And it was Mm -hmm. just, you know, here and there. Eddie started at 18. But Mm -hmm. when I wanted to start at 18, they were like, "Ah, you're you're just too young. They'll they'll kill you for all the stuff that that we've done. They can't get to us. They'll get to you. So I was like, okay. For as much as wrestling's entertainment, it's not entertainment, Mm -hmm. you know. So... That was something that I really wanted to do. But when I started training, my Uncle Mono was telling me about you. And there's this kid. He does all these incredible flips. He can move like nobody's seen. Mm -hmm. Because when you started doing your stuff, nobody had really seen that stuff yet. And now now you see it. Everybody emulates it and now is doing so many different things, like stuff that we... I couldn't even think of. When you first came out, that was you. You were the innovator. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I... Grew up watching the likes of Super Astro. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember Gran Amada. Oh, yeah, yeah, Hamada, yeah, oh, totally. He was awesome. Mm-hmm. He was probably smaller than me. He was probably like 5'1, five, 5'2, five, right. stocky, mm-hmm. really built. Um, we still do his moves. Me and you have done his yes. moves a bunch of times. That, yes, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, the hammerlock into the, yes. the throat, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he was one of the first ones yeah. to, to ever do it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, back then, those are the guys that inspired me because my uncle, my uncle was more of in the heavyweight division. Right. He wasn't doing a lot of high flying. So I didn't pick up my style from learning from my uncle. I picked up my style just from being a smaller cat and just uh, seeing Tiger Mask, seeing Super Astro, seeing Atlantis. You know, back then, El Hijo del Santo was doing a lot of cool moves. You know, every time he would wrestle Negro Casas, whoo, that was a classic. So uh, that's where my, my inspiration came from 
from doing these high flying moves. And you're right, back then nobody was doing them. At least not the stuff that I was when I had the opportunity to wrestle to to display on matches. You right. know, as as the first match opening up a show in Tijuana. Flash forward to Japan. Yeah. When was your first trip to Japan? Ninety-five. It was a Super J Cup. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's where I had met Chris before in Mexico. Jericho? Yes, mm-hmm. Jericho. Mm-hmm. And going to Japan for our first match, Ultimo Dragon hooked up that match. So he was trying to get us in the J-Cup, but right. they said, no, he's too small. He's just too small. So uh, Dragon said, well, at least bring him in, give him a, a special match, an extra, you know, besides the J-Cup. So we opened up the show for the J-Cup, and it was Psychosis versus me. And wow. once that happened, I remember, because Jericho still talks about this, he said uh, he got together with Benoit, and they were, they were seeing the match, you know, in Little Tunnel, you know, and uh, like, let's check out this kid. And they said, man, once we saw him, like, oh, there's something there, something special. So I remember on- Onita, Onita was running FMW. Yes. And I think that's what it was for, is that correct? Yes. Because he got mad at Dragon. Uh-huh. And Ultimo Dragon and said, "Who is this little kid? Why are you bringing this guy here? Oh. This is this is you know bullshit. Basically, yeah. I don't understand." Got mad at Ultimo Dragon, and then you and Psychosis went out and wrestled. And then he was like, "Who is this yes. kid? I want him." Yeah. Yeah. At first, he's going, "Who is him? Get out of here!" Now he's like, "Oh my God, yes. what what the heck was that?" That's crazy, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's how much of an impact um, we both were having because I, I again. You know, it takes two yeah, to make this happen. Of course. You know, and without psychosis being my base, probably wouldn't have been able to display what I've displayed over the years. That's what really caught on, and, and the fans know about Rey Mysterio, the high-flying moves, because right. psychosis made everything look incredible. Yeah, he was such a great base. Good yes. guy, Nicho. Yeah. But a great guy, great base, and uh, a pleasure to work with. You know, I yes. really liked him. Yeah. He... he just because I know he was he was banged up from both of his legs, right? But he had a tremendous career, and he was he was in ECW, right? He was in WCW, he was in WWE, you know. And towards the end, kind of veered off, you know, and and uh, you know just was really affected by uh, the issue that he had with his legs. You know, I think he just had knee replacements not too long ago, a couple years ago, really, but on both of them, and now he's he's going hard again. Well, he always had that, um, like, bow-legged legs a little yes. bit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that had something to do with it. But I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So he had to get two knee replacements. And they told him, I don't think you're going to be able to take both at the same time. He goes, nah, let's just do them. Wow. Oh, he, he did it. He had the surgeries done. And I kid you not, maybe five months later, he was going. That's incredible. Yes. He was such a good wrestler, but just the risks that he took. You know, mm-hmm. I see why, you know, Possibly that he had the the knee replacements and hopefully nothing else. But young wrestlers out there, it's longevity. Yes. That's what it's about. Longevity. At the you don't you don't take that in consideration. Oh no, you're they you're tell you they tell you all the time. All the older guys tell yes. us. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. It's funny because with my son now, I try to talk to him, but I don't I don't feel like I need to advise him much because he loves the the slow style. Oh, good. He loves the psychology. He Telling loves, a story. Yes. That's what we do in the ring. That. We yes. tell stories. Yeah. And we use the moves to help tell the stories, but the moves are not the stories. No. 
you know, the story is what happens throughout the match. Do you think our size not being the biggest dudes out there have had us have better longevity? Yes. Right. I don't see why not. And I, and I uh, can tell you this right now, the majority of the wrestlers that are up and coming, you know, whether it's AEW, uh, WWE here in the U.S., grew up or were inspired by what we brought mm. into WCW. 100%. I think you're right. 100%. Yeah. Speaking of which, how'd you get signed with WCW? I was already there, and I remember yeah. them bringing you in. And I was like, okay, it's getting ready to change. Yeah. Crazy story. Eddie, Jericho, Dean, and somebody else were leaving ECW mm-hmm. because they had just gotten picked up by WCW. Conan was there. Paulie told Conan, these guys are leaving. Can you replace him? Like, well, I can't replace him, but I have somebody that's perfect. Right. He brought psychosis and me in to ECW. We were there for about a year and a half, and the same thing happened. WCW saw us, picked us out, and then we went over to WCW. So that's how it all began. So you were there for ECW first uh, for only a year and a half. I'd seen the matches in ECW. And I didn't know you were signed for that long there because I know you'd still been in Mexico mm-hmm. and it wasn't like an exclusive thing with, with ECW. So when I went to ECW, I was still living in Mexico. Mm. I was still wrestling on a week-to-week basis in Mexico. ECW was just something new. So in, in my mindset, I wasn't thinking WCW or WWF at the time. No, I just thought I was too small for that, you know? So right. anytime a door would open up, thanks to Conan, I would take the, the advantage and, and make... We'll see how long this lasts. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, just, just how, how it is nowadays. Yeah. You know, so that uh, just opened up my mindset as far as, wow, okay, now I'm in the U.S. This is cool. But at the end of the day, it was all about wrestling, about entertaining my fans or our fans you know, and, and having a good time in the ring. And with the guys that, that I grew up training, like Psychosis, and that uh, had been working for, you know, for the past five years, going hard. So it wasn't, it wasn't nothing different. The only thing different was, okay, now we're somewhere else. But right. it was the same match, having fun, having I, a good time. I remember that too, people just talking and telling us, you're too small. Because back then it was the land of the giants. Yes. WWF at the time, WCW, it was... The cruiserweights weren't there yet. So I even remember my dad saying, oh, I just, he's, he's too small. I remember him telling me, and we're the same size. Yeah. But he was going, oh, he's too small. I just, you know, the, these guys are, they're huge. They're six foot eight, 325 pounds yeah. that they're going to they're kill him. I was thinking, well, maybe we'll go to Mexico. I can wrestle there. I don't know, maybe in Japan, if the, you know, the juniors. Right. Because the juniors were Jericho. Right. Eddie. Benoit. Benoit. Yeah, so... All heavyweight champions that have become heavyweight champions. And I could, be, mis- I could be mistaken, but I think... I mean, WCW never had that that weight category or WWE. Uh, I know in there WWE... There was times they had a light heavyweight division, like uh-huh. NWA light heavyweight division. Okay. But still, those light heavyweights were big guys. They were yeah. still 230 pounds. Yes. Yeah, and thick. They looked thick. They looked yeah. bigger on TV. So I think ECW was like the first company to display talent that was under that or mm. barely at that 200-pound mark. Look at uh, Mikey Whipwreck. That's right. He didn't look that big. He wasn't that big. He was tall, 
But um, Spike, Spike Dudley, Dudley yeah. yes. And look how much of a star he became when uh, he went over to WWE. That's right. It's crazy. Yeah. Speaking of WWF, let's talk your WWF debut. Oh. So first, from WCW, when it got bought out mm -hmm. by WWF at the time, they took over some odd like 19 contracts or something like right. that. And I was one of them. They wanted to take you over, but you still had time on your WCW contract, yes, correct? Yes. Mine had just finished, had just was going to be up in a month. So right. it just happened where I went over. Right. You still had a couple of years. So you rode yours out and yeah. just made some money at home. I actually had like nine months left on my deal. Mm -hmm. And when I sat down with, with uh, WWE, they were like, Ray, you know, we're interested. Just wait till your contract runs out. And then once it runs out, you know, we'll sit down and, and come up with the deal. Nice. And I thought that was their way of saying, nah, you're too small. Really? That's, yeah. Because I heard, I heard it for so many years, you know, over and over again. Uh, Vince is not big on a smaller talent, you know. So well, I, for years. Yeah, for so, years he was. Wasn't. So I actually thought that that was their way, saying it in a nice way. Let your contract run out. And after, you know, we sit down. And that actually ended up happening. Really? It ended up happening. And I sat down with JR after. Uh, they reached out to me. He said, okay, we're ready to make a deal now. Mm. And sure enough, signed that deal. Remember, I wrestled you that night. That's right. Yeah. You. That's yeah. right. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. So we were... 2002. Yeah. And I guess I'd only been there a year or so. Mm -hmm. And I really started doing some stuff, but really hadn't yet. They brought you in and we'd had some pretty good matches mm -hmm. in WCW. So we already knew each other right. pretty well. Then we came into WWF at the time and as SmackDown and we had a pretty good teardown match oh. that I still see. I still yeah. see the highlights of it a lot. People still talk about it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. We didn't wrestle that much in WCW, did we? Not that much. I know we had a, a, Occasions. a program or two, but the programs there were, you know, two weeks or yeah. one pay-per-view and then you'd go off to something to, else. Yes. I think we wrestled for the Cruiserweight title mm -hmm. a couple times, yep. but it wasn't the history that we later on acquired in WWF. Yeah, that's true. So, so I was correct. And yeah, because I was trying to remember how many classic matches we had in WCW and, and that didn't really start until we went into WWF. Right, Yes. right, right, for sure. I definitely... I think it was me learning how to be a better base mm -hmm. because in WCW, we were the cruiserweights. So a lot of times we were the ones flying. Right. So then when getting to WWF, some of the guys, I would be the base because they would let them fly. Yeah. And then that's when you came in and being the base with you was, you know, we did, we knew each other a little bit. We knew each other pretty well. You knew the Lucha Libre style much yeah. more than I did. I could adapt to it. And then... We just were lucky and had that, that match. And you, you were always more comfortable being the base, right? I, I mean, will, you would do, you, like Eddie. Eddie, incredible base, and he would do his own things. But then after a certain amount of time, he would start eliminating some of those high-flying moves that he was doing. You know, because he did a lot back in the day. You know, us Guerreros, we're just, we're just heels. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. just natural heels yes. and natural, I guess, bases. And learning... What I need in a base helped me become a base mm -hmm. with you because yeah. I know what I liked and I was able to, I think, give that to you at times in the ring, you know? And I, I, I feel like that you felt more comfortable developing your character like that. For sure. Being a base, being a heel and, and just hearing the reaction and, and 
being able to to make the baby face look good. It's just so much easier for me, yeah. man. It's so much easier for me just to be a, a heel. I'd much rather have them yelling at me and chanting Chavo sucks than chanting, you know, yay Chavo. Because you yeah. always have the people when you're when they're you're they're chanting, you know, go Chavo. Yes. You still got the people out there chanting Chavo sucks. And yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. You're supposed to be cheering for me. <laughs> you know, then I'm like, hey, no, screw you. I, I want everybody to hate me now. Yeah. So when I have everybody hating me, that's the best. And still you have, you know, a few people in the crowd going, yeah, all right, Chavo. And I'm, I'd look at them and say, you know what? I don't need your help. I know I'm good. That, that's one thing I haven't been able to fully discover, how to be a, a, a heel, how to get that emotion across where you want the fans to hate you the only time i i had a little bit of a participation was when we did the filthy animals oh yeah wcw Mm -hmm. and that was more of just like we were going out there having fun sure but being a a real heel that's still uh something that i've never had a part of in my career man i i just don't think you even need it you're the one of the guys is the consummate baby face it'd be like superman in the comics being a heel you just just not going to work yeah. in in my opinion you're you're the the people want to cheer you yeah you know they don't want to see you you're, you're the underdog they want to see you fight from the bottom and win after so many years i you know it would be weird seeing me as a heel yeah totally yeah. totally i remember one time in in wwf i think we're at wwe at the time now they weren't using me too much we'd already done the the tag team thing with me and eddie and broken up and then you and I went to a, a, a program after that. But there was a time when there's about a year in there, maybe about six months to where I, I wasn't doing much. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, wasn't doing too much. This is right before Eddie passed away and stuff. And I was kind of like, man, you know, I, 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 there's something I, I got to do. I, I got to get myself over. Yeah. yeah. Right. Doing yeah. something. So we end up having a match in Montreal and they just built it up and just, I got to the arena and saw something really cool. And you and I had a hardcore match. It was the main event of SmackDown. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember this, but backstage, I, I needed that one. I mm-hmm. needed that one to put me back on the map. And I know I was looking at you and I was like, hey, bro, you know, I need this to go. And you're like, oh, we got, we got this. Let's do this. We went out and killed it yeah. and killed it with doing ladders as a hardcore match and ladders hitting us. We it did some different innovative stuff and you came up with some really cool things and then afterwards you know i remember vince looking at me going like yeah right he's back but bro that was you man i was i was almost like "Ah, i I need i just needed something big i needed a big match Mm -hmm. and just sometimes you're looking for it you know yeah i'll never forget that one man. i'm glad to have been part of that i remember having matches like that with you i mean eventually we led into a pay-per-view going into the i quit match yeah yeah to have that bit of of spark or add life to your character because you and I think we all hit that that wall where we get frustrated. Sure, we're not doing nothing. Right, you're just going out there and wrestle. No, like we said, we want to be part of a story. We don't want to just wrestle. We know we can wrestle. Let us tell a story. Let the fans get involved in it. You know, and uh, to have done that at the point where you kind of felt like you were getting lost, really cool. That's Hell awesome. Yeah. Speaking of SmackDown 6, what a good time, right? So yes. SmackDown 6 was Eddie and I, you, mm-hmm. Ray Mysterio, and Edge, mm-hmm. and Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. Yeah. And at any time, they could interchange all, any one of those teams and together and singles and stuff, and 
they started calling us a SmackDown Six because we would draw ready ratings every yes. time we were on. And in fact, mine and Eddie's dream as we were kids was to become the tag team champions. Oh, we man. always pretended when we were kids that we were the tag team champions. Never like the the heavyweight champions or the cruiserweight champions or whatever, tag. but the tag team champions. And yeah. we would wear my dad's and my uncle's, you know, tag team tag team championships belts and yeah. and pretend that we were the cha the champions as right. kids. So for us to be able to achieve that in Madison Square Garden on a Survivor Series against the SmackDown Six it was me and Eddie versus you and Edge versus um, Benoit, Benoit and Angle. And, Angle yeah. and uh, I think the last four in the ring was us four. Uh -huh. Man, that talking about a career highlight for me, man, it really, that really was. was. And that's after that, Eddie and I had to set new goals for ourselves, and that's when we set heavyweight championship goals. Right. And he went on later on to become, you know, the the heavyweight champion. Yeah. I became the the ECW heavyweight champion, but that wasn't our goals to be to begin with. It right, was to right. be the tag team tag champions. Team champions. Yeah, man. Which you had had accomplished already, right? Once that happened. Well, once that happened. Yeah. Did you guys did you guys have time to like bleeding into the match? Because this just happened with me and my son. But did you have time to to just sit back and talk to Eddie about it and say, wow, remember when we used to play as kids, man, that we were, we were tag team champions? Now it's, it's about to happen. It's we did afterwards, I know. But, you know, when you're in the moment, sometimes you're just, you know, we were on the road, you know, constantly. 300 days a year, and we're all constantly being interchanged and wrestling and still, you know, working things out, and the gimmicks were still evolving, and we were still heels at the time. Right. So people were still hating us. We hadn't had that the light sheet steel run yet yeah. to where, you know, people turned, made us baby faces. Yeah. We were still the heels at that. So we were still kind of young in our, our tag team, um, evolution, the, I guess. Yeah. 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 Now that, that, uh, that just happened with me and my son, which we'll talk about later. But, but the fact that you have the time to really absorb what's happening, like that was a dream that you and Eddie had as kids. Right. And, it came to the point where that dream became a reality, which is really cool. Same yeah, thing. man. You know, it really, it really, really was. It was something that, um, you know, he and I always knew that we could do that kind of stuff. And right. we had tagged and done different that program in, um, in WCW with Pepe, the mm -hmm. horse and all the yeah. stuff, but never really as a straight up tag team, the Guerreros. And then when they put us together in, in WWF at the time, and they just put us together against, it was like a, a pre-show against um, Edge and a young John Cena, who still wore tights. Yeah. You know, he and I knew we, we could do this. As we came out, everybody was like, like holy shit, wow, that yeah. was incredible. And we're, we're like, well, we've been wrestling our entire lives. Yeah. That's like when they put you and Eddie together. When I, like, when I got hurt, you guys became the tag team champions. Right. It, was, it was easy. Mm -hmm. You guys had already done this. Yeah, and it, and it helps a lot, the fact, too, that, it's just, just, it's in your genes, in yeah. your blood. Yeah, yeah, that, totally. That just, it's, it makes a huge difference. Very hard to explain, but it's within you. You already know um, how to move, maneuver, or position yourself in instinct, the ring. Instinct, right? Yes, instinct is, is, I think it's a key factor to right. be part of this industry. You ready for uh, a Los Guerreros Mexican locker? Oh, man, I've been ready since okay. I got here. I like, I like the Just a quick break real quick, getting yeah. a couple Los Guerreros Mexican lagers. These are from a Lasta Brewing Company in West Covina, mm -hmm. and they brew excellent beers there. 
So they approached me and talked about doing a beer. Right. So we went back and forth for about a year uh, on a recipe and finally made one. And it's like a, a Mexican lager. So oh. in the same as a, um, a Dos Equis, a Modelo, something like yeah. that. But this is craft brew, bro. This thing, I'll, I'll, this, I'll put this up against any Mexican, Mexican lager out there. Yeah. Cheers, man. Cheers. Salud. 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 Yes. I've been wanting to try this for a minute now. I'll send you home with some for sure. Oh, yes. Right? 100%. Good, huh? Yeah. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, these guys knocked it out of the park. When I was taste testing things, man, it was really, really good. I love the recipe. And my wife, she's not a huge beer drinker, so when she tried it, she was like, wow, this is really good. Yeah. It has a very smooth taste to it. Smooth, right? good. Very yeah, yeah. good. It's got some uh, hint of sea salt in there. Uh-huh. Really good, huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm loving this right now. I'm, I'll send you home with some for sure. Mexican beer, I probably, I love that Dos Equis uh, Obscura. Oh, the amber? Because yes, the amber. Yeah, yeah, I do too. And it has a, it has a very minor hint to that. Mm-hmm. Um, is this this dark, right? No, no, it's, it's light. still light. It's a light yeah, beer. Light if you beer. pour it in, well, not a light beer, but a, a lager, but it's it's clear. It's okay. like a, you know, like a it doesn't not a dark looking beer. If you pour it into a glass. Mm. It looks like a like a Dos Equis, um, like like the lager, mm-hmm. the green bottle, you know. Very good. Good, right? Very good. Yes. Yeah, good, man. I'm glad I'm you like to it. Promote some of this on my on my uh, social, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm gonna send oh, you yeah. home with some with some, and you know, we'll take we'll take that for sure. <laughs> we'll take your your <laughs> your, your as long as I get the six your, pack coming your millions. in every day. Yeah, not, not <laughs> every, every day. Don't come every day coming in. <laughs> Peach, well, you don't you don't drink like that anymore. <laughs> oh yes, I do. Do you still drink oh, it? Oh yeah, yeah. I know you stopped for a while, no? Uh, right, right before I, I came back yeah. to WWE, I trying to trying to make a, a change in my mm. body and just mm-hmm. overall health, prepping myself up to come back. I I changed my my eating habits, uh, my supplement habits, you know, and and just got really focused on doing my cardio in the mornings on an empty stomach, which I never did, you know, right. I never did that. We didn't have to. Uh, no, no. I mean, we were working so much. That yeah. was our cardio. Yeah. You know, um, but once, once you start slowing down, but you start going up in age, like, oh, damn, yeah. it catches up to you. Yeah, it catches up. So uh, I changed all those habits and it, and it was for the best. I feel great now. We were always trying to keep weight on. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have to, it was easy for us to be thin yeah. you know i had to do cardio and stuff but again we also we also wrestled um four days a week at least yeah you know at least and then we and we went you know and then yeah. we still worked out in the gym and we traveled and we ate pretty well on the right. road you know so as you get older it definitely changes yeah i'm actually just changing my eating habits a little bit also and doing a little bit of the vegan route Ah, okay see what i got i got uh in lucha underground i met up with the owner of Nutrition Solutions, Chris, Chris Cavallini, great guy. You introduced good, me to him. Great friend. Mm-hmm. We became really good friends, and he changed my diet around. Right, uh, Nutrition Solutions. Yeah, Nutrition out of uh, out of Tampa, Florida. Tampa, Florida. Yeah. yeah, he sent me some some food, some mm-hmm. boxes, and they're the pre-made uh, prep food yeah. ready to go Pre-meals, for you. Yeah, excellent, great stuff. Yeah. I, I got a. Call him up if I ever do another run. Hey, <laughs> I definitely got to give him a let call. Me know. I'll, I'll call him for you. Yeah. I'm going to hook you up. But uh, yeah, Chris, uh, and I know now he's been helping out Edge. Yeah. Who Edge looked incredible when he yeah, came back. Yeah, he at did. The Rumble. Um, I know he's working a little bit with Randy as well. You know, and at one point, 
I spoke to to Austin, to Steve. Oh. Yeah, and he said, hey, man, do, do those meals really work? I said, if you stick with them, yes. Absolutely They make do. a huge difference. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if eventually uh, Nutrition Solutions and Chris are going to uh, work with Steve at some point, which I think it would be good to try. Yeah, you know, Chris is such a nice guy. I've called him a couple different times, and we always are working out, so we know a lot about supplements and working out, but mm-hmm. there's people that know more than us. Yes. And he knows his stuff, man, and he's... If you see in his Instagrams at all, he's always just so shredded and so motivating. Good guy, great guy, great company, um, and hopefully we get to work with him again for sure. You know what I really loved about him besides uh, him prepping me up with my meals and and just giving me advice on how to uh, improve my health, his training methods, Mm. which is not, you would, I mean, if you look at him, you're like, oh my God, this guy must live like crazy. No, he does a lot of agility Right. Workouts. Yeah. You know, throwing the ball, push up, bouncing off the wall, picking it up. You know, yeah, back he kills his workouts. Oh he kills God. it, but they're always, they're not just weights. He's doing, you know, right. CrossFit style in a sense, and he's throwing the ball and down, like you said, and jump, yep. jumping and boxes and, yeah, different training, which is great. I like that because it gets, I get bored well, doing did, certain yeah. training, mm-hmm. but that gets me to a different level and it keeps pushing me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, that's what he does. He doesn't repeat the same workout twice. Right. He's always coming up with new stuff, and that's why he's so motivating and inspirational. Yeah, really for sure. Helpful. For sure. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you coming down and hanging out, man. It's been a minute since we've yeah, hung out. You know, no. we were always on the road for so long. We text every now and then. Yeah. You know, but but like catching up and sitting down, it's I been know. a minute. Yeah. I know, totally. We got to get the families together and have yes. some dinner. Hey, and I got to find it, but I know I have it somewhere. So do you remember in WCW when we were doing the um, Road Wild, when we would do the wrestling yes. at Sturgis, right? That was fun, right? Yes. But do you remember when we jumped off that big cliff, you and, and I? And yeah, off and, the rocks? Yeah. Yes. Driving from um, Mount Rushmore yeah. to somewhere else. And we had a <laughs> minivan, and the minivan was me, you, Benoit, Dean Malenko and Eddie yeah. in one minivan. Yes. And we saw these guys all jumping off this big old cliff into, you know, the big water. So we're like, oh, yeah. Everybody said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah, great. Until we got up there. <laughs> and as soon as we got up there, Eddie backed down. Eddie was like, no. And then he even went down to like the really sm- the, the small rock that was like it was 10 like feet. Another level, right? And he didn't even want to do that <laughs> yeah. one. He was like, uh. and this was supposedly they said it was 80 feet, 85 feet, that that was the that's how high it was, which is very, very high, jumping off of. Benoit we was our, like, no, I'm not doing it. We were on our way to a city, right? We, we left um, Sturgis, and we were going to, like, Casper, Wyoming yeah. or something. Yeah. You know, that was, like, the loop, right? Yeah. So I have it on videotape, the actual camcorder oh. that I had from, like, you know, Diamond Dallas Page. And the ones that he used to videotape his matches with and would go over them, you know. So we had these, I think it was Dean who taped it for us. Mm-hmm. And you and I went to the top. And once we got to the top, I was like, oh, man, I can't check it out here, bro. I was like, oh, man, this is so high. <laughs> but I have you and I jumping off, no man. Way. Yeah. I got to see I gotta, it. I got to. I'm going to find it. And Please. I'm going to. Um, I'll send you a, a copy of it. I know it's like on a, you know, not a Super 8, but one of those little. Cassettes. Dis, yeah, yeah. Dis things or whatever. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And I'll. Um, I'll burn it and I'll, I'll oh, send I it got, to you. I got to see that. Yeah, I remember man. it. Yeah. I don't remember jumping off. But once I see it, I'm sure it's going to bring back memories. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, t- we, I, we both, so we, we both me, did it. Me and you were the only ones? We were the only ones that did it. Like you that. and I. Yeah. Damn. That's when everybody was riding in minivans, remember? Yeah. Sometimes we would pack up to 
eight, nine guys in a minivan. In a minivan. Like the uh, yeah. luchadores. Yeah. Yes. Gosh, I don't know what we were thinking about. <laughs> now it's like we don't want to, we ride by ourselves, right? We were saving money. Yeah. That's what we yeah. were doing. And then we were always, you know, rooming together like two yeah. or three to the room, yeah. right? Well, and back then you could, it wasn't Priceline and, or, you know, or your own buses and stuff. Or yeah. the, the companies weren't making reservations for us. We had to do all of our stuff, our yeah. own stuff. No navigation. Yeah. No navigation. Maps. Yeah. We had maps. Yeah. yeah. I kept losing my, leaving them in the <laughs> rental cars. So every time I landed to a, a new town, I, first thing I had to do is go to Walmart <laughs> and buy a new, like Rand McNally. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were lost for like 20 years. It was either maps or gas stations at the corner and ask. Oh, and they always told us the wrong, <laughs> yes. the, the, the wrong directions, right? They were yeah. like, I was like, Hey, you know where, you know, so-and-so gym is. Oh, that's, that's far away. That's about four miles away. And I'm like, well, we're not walking. <laughs> we're in a car. You figure that's, that's gotta be 20, 23 years ago. Give or take, yeah, it 96, oh yeah. 97. Yeah. So 23 years ago, how much everything has evolved in the past 23 years? I know. You're not kidding. I mean, Crazy. iPhones, it was, I still had a pager. When yeah. we first started wrestling, yeah, I had too. a pager. Nextel. Yeah. I had the Nextel pager, yes. And the flip phones. Yeah. Oh, that, that, then the flip phones came, came out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was even, God, that was later. Yeah. Oh, man. Things have changed. No, on the road with no computers, no GPS. Our rental cars still had cassette players. Yeah, or or if you wanted to see something, yeah. you had the little DVD player. Oh, DVD, yeah, the so, little mini DVD yes. player, right? That cost yeah. like $700 <laughs> for a little thing yeah. that played DVDs. Yes. Yeah, that's funny, right? Things oh, have changed. Man, good times, though. Good times. I know you, like me, were very close uh, to Eddie. What did Eddie mean to you? Oh, man. Um, so I was I was talking about the first time meeting Eddie and it was when my uncle had a tour, I say a tour, like it was, like it was a, a 10, 12 day tour, but no, it was him leaving from Tijuana to, to uh, Ciudad Juarez mm -hmm. to do a, a show for a weekend. So we left like on a Wednesday, we were there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then came back, you know, the following week. Mm. So that was the first time I got to see Eddie perform uh, and meet him backstage, which was in uh, La Arena Ciudad Juarez. Oh, yeah, the big arena there, yeah. I was 15 years old. Mm. That was like my first uh, getaway from home where I took my gear and I was trying to see if my uncle could get me booked on side shows. So Cassandro was... Uh, was cool enough to hook me up at this little indie show that they had going on. Cassandro is an exotico in wrestling that he's, is he gay? I guess he's gay, right? I, um, I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty so, sure he right? is, yes, I'm pretty But sure he's, is. you know, comes out with a feminine style yeah. and kind of like a he, she, man, woman yeah. thing. Incredible wrestler. Great wrestler, but as a he tough, is. he's yeah. actually very tough, yeah. whether being gay or not. It's, it's such a catch-22 because we see this guy and he's this you know, feminine person that can kick your ass, yes. <laughs> right? My, my th third match, so my second match was a tag team against Cassandro. Yeah, I'm sure he was stiff, huh? Well, I don't know. I think he took care of me a little bit. <laughs> got, but he's got a movie coming out. Oh, really? Uh, they're doing a movie on his life. Okay. And it's a, actually a big movie, a big Hollywood wow. movie uh, with um, a, a big actor playing him and everything. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. I, I've that's talked cool. to him about doing some coronation for that movie. But. I think the last time I, I heard about him, 
I was in Europe and I believe someone had just passed away very mm. close to us. Mm. Um, it could have been Silver King. Oh, okay. It could have been. Silver. Uh, and I guess he was in Europe at the time or was uh, on his way to Europe and we would just miss uh, paths. But that was the last time I've, I have heard of him. But Cassandro, anyways, he, he was the one that, that uh, kind of helped me break in to do a little bit of the shows outside of Tijuana, oh, which was wow. in Juarez. Mm -hmm. But again, that's where, that was my first time meeting Eddie. And then, of course, uh, every time he would come down to Tijuana and, and wrestle there, mm -hmm. I got a chance to see him. I was, I was a kid. Yeah. I was a kid. I would never would have thought that one day I was going to be in the ring with Eddie. Like, eh, you know, um, you have your idols growing up. Right. And you have the guys that you, that you love watching and their style is just incredible. Uh, Eddie was a young Eddie. Um, how, how old was Eddie when, when he passed? He 38. 38. Yeah. So, and you, how many years apart? Four? Three years apart. So I, he was born in 67. I was born in 70. Okay. So even though he's my uncle, technically, mm -hmm. my dad's youngest, youngest brother, mm -hmm. we're only three years apart. Mm -hmm. So we grew up as brothers. As brothers, yeah. Yeah. So then, then I was seven years apart from Eddie. Um, yeah. So he know. passed away in 2005. Five, uh-huh. Oh, five. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, you know, we were seven years apart, but once I really had a chance to meet Eddie and know who Eddie really was, right, man, he, he just, he changed my life in many ways, mm. uh, as a person, as a father, as a friend, as an entertainer, you know, and it was, it just, I mean, you know, positive vibes always around him. He was so genuine and had such a big heart. Yeah. And you could feel his realness. Yeah. It wasn't a facade or something that he just put on. Mm -hmm. Eddie wore his heart on his sleeve. And if you were his friend, you were his friend. And, you know, I know he, uh, he bumped heads with a lot of guys, like we all do eventually. Sure. Um, but there was always that Eddie that if he messed up, he recognized and he went back and said, you know what? I messed up, man. I'm yeah. sorry. I yeah. apologize. Mm -hmm. So, again, that, that takes a lot of character for someone to do, especially in this business, because there's so many egos going around. Right. You know, uh, now it's much different than it was back then. But uh, Eddie growing up in the world of wrestling with his father and his brothers and him being the youngest, mm -hmm. I can only imagine how hard it was for him to follow the example that he was given. It's not easy. Not no, easy being a no, girl, man. No, especially with that old school mentality. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard. My parents are old school. Sure. You know, uh, but if we take it back further, like your grandfather, that was that was old school. You know, real old school. And, and it was just different. The OGs right there, right? Being taught was different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I know you guys got really close and... Just the angles that you guys did together wasn't, you know, just our our tag teams against you guys were awesome and and incredible. But when you guys did that I'm your poppy angle mm -hmm. with Dominic and mm -hmm. the whole families were both involved. Wow, yeah. It was it was real. Even though there was that love there that you guys had, there was it was it was a real angle. People believed it because it was 
was it real in the fact that he was really Dominic's father? But you guys were so close that it was like brother a brother feud. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's the one thing that Eddie always had and displayed inside the ring, his knowledge, but the connection he had with you, whether it was with you, right? You know, as uh, as your uncle, which didn't seem like he was your uncle, more like brothers. Brothers, yeah, we followed like brothers. Yeah, or with me, you know as a tag team partner, but mm. that we had this solid connection that transcended, you know, from just being friends. Yeah. Which was crazy, you know, and that whole story, that, that's what brought Dominic into this world of wrestling that I never would have thought years later he was going to tell me, Pops, I want to try and make it into this sport. I'm like, wow. So he, right. he went through his junior year and high school year, what did, you, what did you think when, when he wanted to do that? Because, you know, us, we wanted to do it. It was a different time for sure. But yeah. it's, it's tough having a family member join this business because it's such a hard business. What did you think? Now I think different. Back then, I didn't think he, he was going to want to be a part of this industry mm-hmm. at all because he was focused on playing football, somewhat focused on school, on his education, but he knew that that was my wife's and my priority for him to finish right. up school. And he was a good football player, too. He was good, yes. Um, so at one point, I just kind of gave up believing that one day he might ask me. You know, and I didn't push. I didn't pursue. I let him do his thing, whatever made him happy. Until he graduated from high school, went into community college, did three months of that. And then next thing you know, he turned around and said, Pops. I want to see if I can try and make it in this business. So the conversation came about because I, I asked him, Dom, what are you going to do with college? What, what, what are your goals? And that's when he hit me with the, I want to see. I want to see if I can, really? if I can make it. I said, okay, I'll be the first one to let you know. <laughs> I remember when he was starting training, I started seeing a bunch of videos of him training. And then he came into Lucha Underground and mm-hmm. did something with us. Yeah, with you know, Johnny, yeah. Yeah, with Johnny, right? And so I, I kind of helped agent that a little bit. Yeah. Of course, you were the agent. But he, you know, he was in there with Johnny Mundo. Yes. John Morrison. Morrison yeah. Johnny Nitro. Johnny Name Change, I call him. <laughs> but a guy that's an incredible wrestler, uh, incredible athlete, a- and a tough guy. Yeah. But a guy that's, you know, business. That was going to take care of him for sure. Yeah. He couldn't be a better person to be in the ring with. Very true. But I remember because Dom's a big kid, yeah. and you know he. I told Dom, you know, you got you got to lay it in, bro. If you, if you don't, <laughs> it's gonna look bad. You yeah. got to lay it in. So he lays it in, and he was he was amped up, bro. Yeah. I said, okay, now calm down. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> I remember talking to him uh, that night after he had done his running. He was excited. Yeah, he was pumped. I'm like, okay, he liked what that felt like. So that's dangerous because now you know he's gonna want more. It's, it's, it's a drug. You get a little bit, you get taste it, and then you want more. Yeah, it was that, that taste. I mean, in Lucha Underground crowd was incredible. Yes. But there were only 400 people there. Mm-hmm. You get an incredible crowd with 10,000 people. Oh, it's incredible. Or a WrestleMania crowd with yeah. 60,000 people. That's, it's I, I think like you, speedballing out there. And I could be wrong, but I think you enjoy more, at least I know I have in the past, the reaction of having a closed arena where you can hear. I do. 15, 20,000, whatever, 30,000, but 
in a indoor arena where you can hear that ovation. You oh, can yeah, hear totally. the crowd. Sometimes it gets too big and the reaction is off. So if you do a move, it takes you know, seconds for them for you to hear. Yeah. 40,000, 50,000, 60,000 people. It's too, that's too much. I don't like rustling. It's easy because they pop on everything, but I don't like rustling in front of that. I'd like more like a 18,000 seat that are, they're all on top of you. I like that. Right. Um, I, I love wrestling in front of big crowds, Mm -hmm. but I, I believe that me personally, I get, I get more pumped up when I can hear the reaction and I can feed off of that reaction. That electricity. Um, yes, which is incredible. And that's what Dominic had a taste of in front of 400 people right. that one night. And that also makes it very personal. You know, just a limited amount of people that you can hear exactly what they're saying or yelling. You know, so uh, it, it was a very special moment for him. And now he's doing some stuff in WWE. Yeah. And I wish that he was able to do it in front of those big arenas right now because it's a different experience for sure. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a big arena, but without the, the, the fans aren't there because of, you know, the coronavirus and the lockdown and the social, social distancing right now. So it's awesome with the things I've seen of him. He's mm-hmm. doing great. He's been with Seth Rollins. He's kicking ass. Seth is really, really good. Yeah. But hopefully that things get back to normal and then he can do the same thing in front of this crowd because... I did tell him um, it was Sunday night after mm-hmm. SummerSlam. I said, oh, my God, if only Eddie would be here. So there would be a continuation of what one day happened when you were seven years old. Now that you're 23, you know, imagine. And he just, like, glanced up and, like, wow. He just thought about it for a second, which really hits you because that was very, that was epic for him. Yeah. You know, it was a moment for, for Dominic to play a certain role in a storyline that I go back and watch and I'm like, man, this kid, he was seven years old. You, seven? Seven years old. And he, he killed it. Yeah, and, and, you know, he talked about it in one of the documentaries that he did with WWE where when it was time to record, you know, he had a connection with Eddie already. Eddie would give him Twizzlers or... Yeah. And, you know, he would put on his... uh a face mask on, you know, mm-hmm. and record whatever he needed to record and then go back to play. He had either his action figures, he had the Nintendo Switch, I think, or Nintendo DS okay. back then. So uh, just different times, you know, but but the fact that I, when I told him, imagine if Eddie was here to, to live this, to, to see this evolve, because it was because of him at one point that made you kind of want to get into wrestling. You know, not so much special, man. Yeah, very special. Very, very special. And then for you to tag with your son, how does that feel? So that's why I asked you about the the story that you talked about you and Eddie Mm -hmm. playing tag team champions when you were young. That's right. You know, it was a dream that you guys said one day, one day this is going to happen. So I told myself this would be really cool if one day I get to share the ring with my son. You know, um, obviously... It happened at a very young age when Dom did the angle with Eddie and myself, and then he kind of forgot about wrestling, and then I, that dream kind of started going away because, ah, he's not going to want to wrestle. Then when he started training uh, four years ago, that dream came back to a possible reality, and I said it so much 
one day, one day, one day, and it happened. It happened on, on Raw, and it was such an incredible moment. Um, but it happened so fast that now the only thing you can do is go back, watch it, and enjoy it, and enjoy the moment that you that you shared the ring with your son for the first time. You had a chance to do it with your dad. Yeah, yeah, man, we totally did. When my dad, Chavo Classic, came into WWE and became my manager, he came in with me and Eddie and turned on Eddie and, you know, was just so good at what he did. And that was a dream for me. Mm -hmm. Now, looking at it as Dom's position, which was my position, mm -hmm. you know, my dad was my idol. Yeah. Growing up was my idol. And I always idolized him being in the ring and wanted to be like him. That's right. all I wanted to do. So to be able to be in there with him and be a tag team partner with him. And my dad had been out of the game for a while and then was able to come back. And I was kind of more at the top of my game at the time and to be able to lead my dad at times you know because it wasn't like he was at the pinnacle of his career and right. i was coming in it was kind of opposite the other way around yes yeah so that was you know very very special mm -hmm. i look back at it and it's like like it was i mean he drove me crazy <laughs> you know my dad <laughs> my dad he's yeah. in, he was insane yeah. but i look back at it now and it was it was that was a very special time for us to be able to be yeah together in there you know it was a dream come true it, ha it had to be you know um and dom's gonna feel the same way he's gonna feel the same way thinking and, and working with his dad and what an influence you've been on him mm -hmm. yeah I, I don't i don't think they've asked him that question yet where how did it feel for him to step in the ring with with his father right i've been answering that question most of the times but if you think about it yes it's a very special moment you know very special moment that happens so fast that you have to make sure that you enjoy every little second that happens within that match, you know, yeah. um, to really absorb the moment and, and oh, wow, this, this is really happening. In I'll, I'll ask him in the next podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Yeah. Cause he, he, he failed to come this time. Yeah. No, no, man. That's, that's, that's amazing, dude. You're, it's a special time. You should be very proud that, um, this is, you, this is able to happen right now. Yes. Yeah. Especially with the under the circumstances that we're in. Yeah. You know, and and everything uh, transitioned so fast. His uh, participation in, in in this match against Seth, you know, just evolved quickly. We just never thought that he was going to step in the ring this fast. We he knows he wanted to he wanted to get his training in, you know, at the performance center and, and get ready to eventually debut. But everything happened so fast. Yeah, and he's stepping in with a top, top guy. And I stood back. I just, I asked him, I said, this is, this is what they want. Do you think you can handle it? Because the last thing you want to do is put your son in a, in a bad spot. Absolutely. And have him flop. So that was very important, you know. Uh, and not only flop, but be able to handle the pressure and the fame that comes along with it. Because he's putting in a very big angle in the biggest wrestling company in the world yes. against one of their absolute top guys right right now a lot of people you know they they can't handle that no. fame and I, that pressure i i'm trying to go back and think about my first match mm -hmm. no television maybe 40 people right which was at the no at the pressure church. no just, pressure I mean, you're fun you were scared but you no pressure that yes. it's not like all of a sudden millions were watching on television and yes you're wrestling at the time a you know a rick flair-esque person yeah and you're opening up the show you yeah. know yeah so to to put those two in comparison 
it actually it, it, it left me shocked on how Dominic responded and how he carried himself and how he wanted to take the opportunity that was given to him. And he said, I should be good, Dad. Yeah. He, he, we helped him train, prepare him as much as we could, but we can only do so much and give him so much to work with. He has to do the rest. And he ended up, you know, uh, doing what he needed to do to, to come out on top as much as he could. I think that what really showed me that he has the character to work under pressure was when we did the angle with Brock. Mm, that's right. And I forgot you did an angle with Brock before, even, yes. even bigger. That was in Survivor Series. That's right. And that night, Dom had to come in with me during the match. We were going to do some moves, hit him with the chair, double 619. Dominic was going to frog splash, and I was going to frog splash behind him. So I remember telling Dominic, I said, can you do a frog splash? Yeah. So you've done it before. He goes, no, but I can do it. Okay, so he, I kid you not, Vito, he was in the locker room, and I just caught him off guard. He was looking at his phone, looking for Eddie Guerrero's frog splash. Frog splash and he yeah. was just looking at it over and over and over again. So that time he threw that first frog splash, that was the first time he'd done it ever. Wow. So... And you know, if you don't throw a frog splash correctly, land correctly, it knocks the shit out of yes. you. Yes, yeah. So that was the first time he did a frog splash, and that was the first time that he used a chair inside a match. So and wow. Brock said, "Can you swing?" Oh yeah, just don't hit me in the head, and hit me flat and hit me hard. Mm-hmm. So when he swung that chair, and I see, I see it to this day, he swung for the fences. I mean, he hit him hard, but it was flat and it was smooth. Mm-hmm. And there was a little detail during that whole scenario that, that happened when I, I was doing something with the pipe and I ended up throwing it right by the ring. When he hit Brock with the chair, which set him up for the 619, the pipe was on the ground where he was going to run to bounce off the ropes and come and do the double 619. Before he ran, he used one of his uh, either right or left foot to swipe the pipe to the outside so he didn't run across it when he was coming back oh, and not wow. slip. Those little things are the ones that, look at, that's instinct. Yeah, it's instinct. You can't so, teach that. No, no. So it, there's something special there. That's awesome. Yeah. I remember seeing, I didn't see it live, but I saw the replay of it when Brock got his payback on him oh. and picked him up. And I, I, I didn't expect it, picked him up and threw him like a rag doll. So he was able to feel the strength of that we all know. So that happened first. That's what set up the angle for Survivor Series. Mm. So when that happened, Dominic was like, yeah, I, I can do this. I, yeah, I can, I can bump, I can sell. Okay. When he gave him that whooping, I was like, oh my God. What did he f- feel? I, what was his thoughts on when yeah, he came down after being thrown by Brock and Brock's strength. Did he was he talking like, "Oh my God, this"? I wonder if it was just an eye opener for him. I'd like to ask him because, yeah, I mean, literally, I we we both watched and I watched. And I, I, he looked like he was not a real person, like a doll. That's how strong Brock yes. is. So, so I remember Brock telling him, "I don't want you to help me or, or make it seem like you know what you're doing, please." Just uh, sit there. I'll just, do everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what happened. He pulled him out. He didn't know exactly what was going to happen or how it was going to go down. He just said, I might do this. You know, I'll bring you in, and then 
I'll just toy around with you. And when I saw that replay, I was like, oh my God, that, that look. Did he kill just, him? It, it, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's still good. Right. <laughs> it, but it, it looked shocking. It looked very impressive. It was like, amazing. For a, for a regular wrestling fan, probably went, whoa, he got carried away there, man. Yeah. But no, he took care of him and, and I mean, he took the whooping. Yeah. And he got up and was ready for the next day. So that, that shows a lot of character within him as well. That's amazing, man. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's incredible. Yeah. So when Eddie passed away in 2005, I remember I was sitting at home and they had you coming out in low riders and doing the tribute to Eddie. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Ooh, this is good because this is some real stuff here. So I went to Vince and I think I brought a run it by you first, but then I went to Vince and said, Vince, look, I'm not really mad about this, but I absolutely could be. And people will believe if I really am, why is Ray coming out in low riders and doing a tribute to Eddie? And I'm not. Yes. And Vince, I see Vince's grin on his face and he's like, Hmm. And I said, there's something here. Yeah. What if I come out and we do something to where I end up turning on Rey Mysterio and talk, talking about like, you're, you're not a Guerrero. You yeah. want to be a Guerrero. And I just said something like, you know, just threw it out there. And he was like, that's great. That's amazing. It was after WrestleMania. They had me come in and wrestle, I think Shelton Benjamin. And I was talking about like, you know, this is my WrestleMania and thinking that, you know, everybody's thinking I was going to win. Well, I got beat and I quit. I retired. It was over. So I was off TV for about, you know, two or three months. And then I came back and was helping you. You were the, the, the heavyweight champion mm -hmm. and it was helping you and helping you not helping you, but being by your side. And I was your like mentoring. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Not me mentor, but I was just, you know, cheering you Support. on, rooting you on. And at first everybody thought, Oh, child was going to turn on Ray. Child was going to turn on Ray. But it lasted a long time and it went a month to six weeks to two months. People forgot. And then when you were against Booker and you were the heavyweight champion yes. mm -hmm. and I came in and hit you with that chair, you yeah. remember that, boom, yes. that chair shot and helped Booker win the championship. People were like, oh, I forgot. He's a Guerrero. <laughs> and then we went on to that run to where we ended up having, you know, this big feud and the I quit match and all the different things. Um, that my turn on Eddie for sure was made me as a good solid heel mm. but that just put me over the top when working with you mm. and doing that and then having all those i quit matches and all the different things that we had yeah and then coming back you you were out with your knee surgery for a while yes. then you came back as the silver surfer for yeah. the, for uh yeah, SummerSlam, SummerSlam yes. and we just we killed it yeah. i mean that that put me on the map for uh, as, a, as a heel bro so, so and that just to be clear that all of those uh, angles and stories i had no idea that you had pitched that yeah, that was that's cool. Yeah, that, yeah. That kept Eddie's spirit alive for, oh, for so sure. long. For sure, you know the connection was just there, and and the fans didn't want to let go. Still to this day, they don't want to let go, mm -hmm. which is which is really beautiful to to witness that. You know, in in front of a live audience, uh, we were just in Colombia last year uh, for the first time. I'd never been, and to wrestle in front of the Colombian crowd was intense. To be there for the first time and for them to to chant Eddie's name out of nowhere, right? It just come, it just 
it's it's incredible. I love Man, it. It's I love incredible. it. When he does, that's why I do the frog splash. I mean, that's what yes. you do the frog splash. Yes. And the, every once in a while, you'll do the three amigos, and I'll do the mm-hmm. three amigos. It's for Eddie. Yeah. That's why we do it. Yeah. You know, so that I keep his memory alive. Not that he, that we have to, because his memory will always be alive. Yes. But it it's it just it's feels tribute, good, right? Yes, it yeah. feels good. It feels good. It feels like he's there. Yeah. yeah. When you left WWE, not long after I did. Yep. How was it transitioning back into? life but also doing the indie circuit and kind of being your own boss and having to do your own bookings and all that stuff how did that that uh how did that feel for you because i know that we were doing i was doing different signings and you know they'd bring you as a special guest and you were you know getting you, you were the special attraction and doing really well at it but it's a hustle right yeah yeah well here's a should say weird thing about me going to the indies i was never part of the indie scene because i I went from AAA to ECW to WCW, and then just that one year when WCW was bought out by WWF, I wrestled a little bit in Arena Mexico and in Puerto Rico, and then I got the call, then I joined WWF. I wasn't either. I had never done the Indies either. That was my first time doing the Indies when I left for the first time from WWE, and I was like, I can do this, you know? I mean, you'd always get the feedback from... The rest of the boys, oh, the end of scene is hot. And it was hot. It was hot during that time. It was right. really hot. A lot of wrestling in, in U.S., in Mexico, in Europe. You know, it was just, it was booming. Wrestling was really booming during that time. So it wasn't really difficult for, for me to get work. Um, and it really helped out that I was in, in WWE for the past almost 13 years. Right. You know, on TV. So WCW before that. Yes. So, yeah. And I... You know, never went to TNA, never did anything else. The only thing I did was uh, Impact, was Lucha Underground, sorry. Lucha. Lucha, yes. But besides that, Lucha Underground was, they were mellow. You know, it was like, yes, as long as you work here, if you want to go do shows anywhere else, you're good. You know, just respect our dates. So I really got a taste of that indie life. And there was, if, if you really wanted to, you can book a whole weekend and work Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sure. You know, um, but one of the reasons why I had left as well was because, as you know, we were on the grind constantly and I wanted to slow down. I was really... You need it sometimes. You need to decompress sometimes. Yes. Yes. I was exhausted mentally, physically, and I really wanted to be at home with the family. Yeah. Yeah. So that that really helped out a lot. And And that's why I left WWE was because I just... I needed that decompressed time. You know, it's a combination of things. You're not happy with what's going on. Yeah. You need to decompress. But also, there's times when you just need to be that family. You need to be home with your wife and kids. Yeah. Or else you're not going to have a wife and kids. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah, there comes a point where you break down. Right. I mean, you, you really break down. Um, I don't know how many of the guys have been through it. I know I did. I, we, me and you can relate. You know, uh, you feel like you're, you're lost in the direction that you're going. So you need to reset and find out, okay, what do I need to do? And you can't do that while you have all these thoughts and these emotions in your, in your mind. So that's why you have to take a break, figure out what's best for you. And I mean, in my case, I sat down with my wife and I told her, I'm tired. I need to, I need to get away right now. She said, go ahead and do it. Do what you have to do because you're the one that provides for the family, so we need you to be all right. So if you, if you don't want to be there right now, step away, you know, and step, stepped away. 
for about two and a half, almost three years, you know, and that gave me enough time to, to uh, recoup, feel better physically, mentally, and get ready for the next journey. Right. Go back there. It's good. Start kicking ass again. It's good. It's healthy. Okay. So you go home, you decompress, you're kind of calling your own shots, Mm -hmm. doing what you want, kind of when you want, working or not working, taking a week off, taking a month off, doing what you need to do. What made you decide to go back to WWE? So during the time that I left, that's when my son wanted to start training and which was actually good timing because I was able to do more hands-on with him, you know, at least at the beginning of his training days. And that gave me the opportunity to be at home, to work with him a little. And when I saw the improvement and his evolution in, in training, I was like, wow, okay. So eventually, I imagine that you want to be part of WWE. Yes, Dad. Okay. I knew one day when I left, that I was eventually gonna come back, hoping that everything was okay with WWE. I didn't leave in bad terms. I left because I was tired, I was exhausted, and I told him exactly why. You know, so um, when I came back, I told him one of the reasons is I wanna come back and reopen the doors for my son Dominic, because he's in training, and you know, I would love for him to start training at the PC when, whenever you guys are ready to sit down with him and, and uh, talk about it. So I knew I had a couple more years left, coming back, which was in 2018, you know, and I told him that I wanted to finish my career in WWE. To me, that was, that was a place where the fans recognized me the most. That's where my home became for the past 13 years. And, uh, you know, that's where I wanted to hang the mask up when that day came. And that was, made, that was pretty much uh, two years ago. Now everything has evolved into something completely different. You know? Yeah, it changed a little, right? Just, yes. Uh, two years or three years being gone, it comes back. It's almost a different world, right? Yes, yes. Um, sometimes you, you don't really take in consideration um, how much things can change in the lapse of two, three years. You know, and new talent, uh, different structure. You know, and you, all you do is we're very good at ad- adapting. So we adapt. You know, we make things to the best of our ability. A lot of new faces in that locker room, right? Yes, a lot of new faces. A lot of new faces. And I also wanted to work with some of the newer talent that was there. You know, because there, there's... Good talent out there. Lot, some incredible people. Some incredible wrestlers. Yes, and I was able to, to to display some of that with Andrade as soon as I came yeah. back in 2018. So, so it was, it was uh, good timing, I believe. You know, and everything happens for a purpose. There's always timing for everything and I believe that was some of the best timing that I could have had on from both ends WWE wanting to to have Ray and Ray wanting to be part of WWE again that's awesome man you're kicking ass over there you're doing really well we're not that young anymore Vito I know Damn, 45 man young so, at, young at, at in heart and in mind but not in body right <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what has helped me out a lot besides uh changing my eating habits and and my supplements and my workout routines, uh, I did several treatments of stem cells. Mm. But the last one that I did was in Colombia last year in August. That's right. I was going to do that. I didn't do it, but I was thinking about it. And I did the full body, and that literally added a couple more years to Really? It made a difference? Oh, my God. Incredible. Your body felt 
back, I mean, built young again afterwards? Incredible. I'm sure a lot has to do with the fact that I'm not wrestling every day like we used to. Of course. You know, um, wrestling once a week now. But overall, the recuperation on my body when it gets injured is much faster than it was before. Which is almost harder sometimes. Wrestling once a week, you get home. I mean, I don't care what kind of training you do. It's not the same as no. being in the ring. So I remember us doing the three days of house shows before TV. Yeah. The first day, I mean, it was, you know, it was a little, it was, you're tired, you're rough. You know, if I wasn't hurt by TV, I was ready to go and we could yeah. kick ass on those TV yeah. matches. But if it was just one shot a week, it, it's almost not enough. I almost need one house show and then one TV, you know, I almost need two. I mean, just for me yeah. to be able to give that hundred, a hundred percent and be able to not you know, save my wind. <laughs> none of that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Uh, I think you're right. I think it definitely hurts not having that one show or two shows before yeah. a TV, you know, um, especially when you have a 20 minute or 25 minute match, you know, with several uh, breaks in between. But, uh, like anything else, we adapt very well, and you know we try to make the best out of it. Do you remember WWE going back to Mexico for the first time at the Palacio, mm -hmm. the Deportes, right? Yes. And it was a raw TV show, and they added me and you yes. from SmackDown talent to the raw because of the fact that it was Mexico. We were having a program together, and they added us. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. We were actually scheduled to be in a certain position. Right. And then that was changed. Right, right. Booker T, and I'll say it because <laughs> I don't work for the company, but, but Booker T, being the guy he is, an awesome guy he is, we were just a special attraction. He went to Vince and said, hey, I think Ray and Chavo should be the main event. Mm -hmm. Vince agreed. Vince was like, all right. So for a few weeks before leading up, we were going to be the main event. And I even remember Johnny Ace tell, talking to us saying, you guys are going to be the main event. And so I'm like, okay, great. You know, it, it wasn't our idea, but if it was thrust on us, then great, perfect. We're going to, we're going to kill it, right? We're going to work even harder now. We were going to work hard, but now we have that we're, spot. We got to so bring it. The pressure's it. on yes. for sure. Yes. I remember getting to the, to the arena and seeing that we were on before intermission which I get, I understand. We weren't on SmackDown. I mean, we weren't on Raw. We were SmackDown talent. You have the Raw champion at the time who was John Cena versus Edge. They had a great, big, big program. I get it. But it was kept telling us that we were going to be the main event. We're going to be an event, main event. Being a main event of, of a big show like that in our home sold country out sold out yeah. 19,000 people. You know, it's a, we're, we're ready for us to get there and see that we were not the main event and that we were the match right before, you know, intermission, which people will argue, say that was the second main event. Whatever, <laughs> it was right? the main event before intermission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were the main event of the first part of the show. <laughs> um, I was pissed. Yeah. And I know you were too. And I yeah. know we were kind of like, what, the, what? Are you serious? Yeah. But okay. Okay. <laughs> and you and I went out there and we're talking Mexico City where the air is so thin yeah, that yes. people really have to watch your your air your 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 wind out there man we were blessed that night it's hard to breathe we were blessed because we we tore it down bro. Yeah. we went out there and it's the first time that that wwe had been back to mexico yeah. and in the front row was el santo 
who was Ultimo Dragon, who was Demo, Demon, Fantasma. Fantasma. There yeah. was everybody was in that front row. All a lot of their big stars. Legends, yes. Yeah, and you and I went out there and tore yeah. that shit down. Yeah, I remember yeah. that was the match was just off the chains. I mean, you and I, we were always having good matches, but yeah. this was, match was, I mean, just just the cry, everything popped, everything worked. It's like we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast. You know, there's some nights that are just special and historical. Yeah. And that can never be repeated again. That's right. That's exactly what happened that night. It was just, and we've always had great chemistry together. You know, we can right. go out there and, and not have a match prepared and, just and go out there and, and know what we need to do. We'll just go 25 minutes and just yes. do it. We're yes. flying, we're flipping with everything, yeah? And I think that happened. One thing that Conan has always said, you know, when a company like WWE goes to Mexico, they want to see their their Latin or their Mexican stars on that status. Even if, it's, even if it's for one night that's in Mexico. Right. That's you right. Know? Um, they want, that's what they're going. They're going to support. They're, gonna, they're going right. to uh, cheer for, for their own people. And that's what they wanted to do that night. Yeah. Unfortunately, it happened earlier than the main event. But that's when we both came out of the ring, like kind of like, all right, MFers, follow that one, right? Mm -hmm. um, Edge was in the main event versus John Cena. And Edge being the guy he is, actually, when we came out, he watched the entire match. Yeah. And he came, when we came out, he was like, oh, my God, that was incredible. He was like, Enjoyed he it. was more excited than we were. I yeah. mean, we just came out like kind of with a chip on our shoulder, like, all right, that we're going to... You want to put us in a main event? No problem. <laughs> now follow it, right? But that he was right there, and it was really cool to see that and see just the, the boys, you know, popping on that. Yeah, it was that was very special. And, and we would always sit back in in the back, you know, because that was part of our connection. You you give the respect to the match, right? That's in the ring, and we all sit down backstage, you know, and and watch the monitor. Absolutely, you know, it was just part of of uh, what we had going on. And that was part of a learning process that we all had for, for anybody that was coming in um, and that was new, or even if you weren't new, you know, that was the respect that you showed your peers to go to sit back there and watch. For sure. And I liked watching the matches as a fan, but also to see what, what the, how the fans were reacting, to yeah. see how, who I wanted to wrestle with next, who like what guys were kind of coming up and coming, like yeah. my, knowing that my style would match with theirs. And also just to see what they were doing so I wouldn't repeat what they were doing. Mm -hmm. If they were working a headlock, I wouldn't work a headlock. Yeah. If they were doing a lot of flying, then I would do maybe something different. Right, right. What are your hobbies outside of the ring? What do you do outside of wrestling? I know that, you know, we're on the road a lot and you're working and stuff a lot. Do you just, what, what do you do when you come home? I like to chill, man. I, I've been, I've always been uh, very secluded on my time off. You do, you have been. Yes. I try to call you and you are, you'll answer me in three, four days when you're back on the road. Yeah, I've always been very uh, um, private. Um, but I, I do love to travel a lot with the family. Mm -hmm. You know, we try to do it at least twice a year. Sometimes if we can more, we go more. But uh, we take our trips to either Cancun or Hawaii and, and we have our get-togethers where it's family time. Yeah. You know, um, but besides that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm very laid back at home. I just like to chill at home and, and relax. Right. I think it's from so much traveling uh, from the past that, that I've gotten used to that routine. Go out to dinner with my wife. Uh, uh, before it was movies, 
now we can't even do that, you know. Uh, it took a while for us to go back into the groove of being able to go out and have a dinner with your wife. So that now is back in place. So we take advantage of that, you know, as much as we can. As a matter of fact, right now when I drive home, I'm going to meet her to go have some dinner. So have a little uh, time together. Uh, awesome, awesome. Enjoy the fruits of your labor, right? Thank you, yes. Um, what is your favorite country to wrestle in? My favorite country? I've really got a... Uh, I'm not talking about the United States because we're always in the United yes, States, but outside yeah. of the United States. No, you know what? I, I, I really love Japan. I'm the same. Yes, I really love Japan. Japan received me very well uh, on my first tour. And, you know, that always has stuck with me. I love the culture. I love the respect they have for wrestling, for wrestlers, for uh, just this industry. You know, it's very, right. very blessed to be around fans like the Japanese fans. That's awesome. Um, do you remember <laughs> we were on a J Japanese tour and we're all at the airport getting ready to go jump back on the plane and you and the turtle... <laughs> Eddie, Eddie. <laughs> you and Eddie, we used to joke with Eddie because he, inside the ring, he was hundred miles an hour, could go and do anything. But outside of the ring, he was so slow that we used to say that he would, he would sit on a turtle and go, wee, because the turtle was fast to him. But you guys were, I don't know what you're doing, looking at the little jewelry stores and looking at the little stores and the little shops. You know what happened? <laughs> I went to go buy, because I'm always, I've always been like that with Angie. I'll go to the duty-free or find something, sell souvenir to bring back home. Perfume or something. Yeah, Eddie, so yeah. Eddie was right there behind me. And we both ended up buying something. <laughs> Little did we know that the plane had taken off already. <laughs> we were all on the plane, and I, and I kept looking like, is the door going to shut? What's going on? Where are these two? And then I was saying, the door shuts. I go, oh, they must have gotten on. I must have not, not paid attention. Yeah. I was going to the restroom or something. And sure enough, when the plane takes off, and I think, I don't know if it was Johnny Ace going, hey, where's, where's Eddie and Ray? But they're not on the plane? They were right behind me this entire, we came yes. off the bus together. Yeah, that was funny. That was hilarious. We, you know what we did, right? What? We found a place where we can have some lunch. I drank a beer. I don't, I don't remember if Eddie was drinking at that time. No, I, I don't think, think he wasn't. Was, no. right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So I, I had to have a beer, and he was cool with it, and we just waited for the next flight. You know, we killed some time, which was actually cool. Okay. Do you remember that one time that we had a layover somewhere and you buy a bottle of Dom Perignon mm -hmm. to take? And I believe it was in I think it was Japan. Japan, yes. right? Yes. Batista. Right? You, it and then what happened? <laughs> You'll probably tell the story better than me, but I just, I remember buying that bottle. We had a layover. We had a connect and... We were going to drink it in Japan or something. Yes, that, yes. Was, that was the plan. Later on that night or whatever for a special occasion. But when we got off that plane to go get our connection, we had to go through another security uh, access. So we had to go through x-rays and everything. When I, like, how, how are we going to get the bottle across? They're not going to let us. And what happened? I know. They were like, well, you're like, we just bought this at the duty-free. We're... They We're said from plane good. to plane. They yeah. said it was okay. No, I'm sorry. So a bottle of Dom Perignon, Ray has to <laughs> pop right there at security because he going to take it. And <laughs> me, you, Batista, and I don't know who, sure don't who know else, else popped it and but had drink a bottle of Dom Perignon at the airport security. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> right? That's what makes this, this industry such 
such a beautiful day, man. Days like that. Do you still have your music with Mad One? Um, yes. He's he so was Mad, the originator of so, Booyaka. So Mad One has also the start, the intro, and exit to this podcast, Knuckle Up and Boogie. Oh, is oh Mad, I love is, that song. Is yes. Mad One. So yes. he also did your music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He, uh, man, I've been working with Mad One since WCW when he did the videos with Conan. Right. Um, Viva La Raza. And ever since, we've just gotten very close, connected. You know, as a matter of fact, he's working on some music for Dominic. You know, mm. it just passes on from one generation to another. He's awesome, right? He's yes, got, he did he the is. Booyaka theme. Yes, he, yeah, he did the Booyaka theme, which still plays till this day in WWE. Um, they did the collaboration with, with POD at one point for WrestleMania. And I believe that's no longer there. But now he is working on on a song for Dominic. Mistelli. Your entrance music, right? When your yes. entrance music to the WrestleMania where you won the championship was P.O.D. Was P.O.D. And, and Mad One. And Mad One came out and, and performed, right? Yes, they were on top of the stage uh, performing the song. Yeah. That's bad, Good, good moments, yes. Good dude, right? Oh, my One of the God. homies right oh, there. Oh, my God. Big shout out to Mad One. Check yes. him out. Respect, Paisa. That he's, he's, yeah. he's one of the homeboys right there. Yes. Any uh, crazy fan moments? We always get crazy fan moments. Anything that sticks out? You know how I am with my fans. I'm, I'm always very... Right. If I'm around... Very giving, yeah. If I'm around, I'll, I'll take the time. If I'm at home, I'm, I've slowed down a lot on my social media. I used to go hard, especially the time that I was doing the indies. Mm -hmm. You know, that's when everything was kind of evolving. and Gotta have that hustle going too, yes, yeah. Yes, yes. But right now, like, man, it, it's hard for me to stay attached to my phone. As much as you see people attach their phones constantly, I try to stay away from my phone as much as I can. You know, so um, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, I think so. How are you with it? Uh, still in the hustle, man. You yeah. know that sometimes your brand a little bit, so you yeah. gotta you gotta push that a little bit, and then doing that, you sometimes are, you're on it too much, you get a little addicted to it. You know? Yeah, yeah, which is hard. I've been through those stages. Right. Yeah, where I gotta push it aside. You watch movies. What's your favorite movie? I, I watch a lot of series. Mm. A lot of series, yes. I just saw, just finished watching, which I actually recommended this series to, to Dominic, which was Money Heist. Mm. It was uh, where is it? A Span Spaniard movie or a Spaniard series on Netflix? On Netflix, I gotta yes. check it out. In Spanish, it's called La Casa de Papel. Oh wow! It's really good. Really, you get invested into all the characters in there. You know, you normally have one or two or three. Yeah. That those are your main characters here. There's a group of guys that you're like, whoa, what's happening here? It's just a never-ending story that continues. I That's think they're, awesome. they're getting ready to shoot season four for this. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's really great. good. And I just started watching last night, as a matter of fact, um, it's with Charlize Theron. Theron. Uh, um, Charlize Theron? Yes. Uh, Old Guard. Okay. Which looks really cool. I saw the beginning of it. I was tired. I crashed out. Yeah. But I want to go back and, and finish that tonight. I'll check that out. Yeah. The last thing we do on suplexes and cervezas is we do a rapid fire questions, quick questions, and it's pretty self-explanatory. You, it's just for the fans to get to know a little bit more about you on uh, things that you like and not like. Hit so I, I tailor all these to everybody. So I kind of tailor some of these for you. 
if you don't know Ray, Ray, Ray always likes to find her things in life. So he's always he's always dressed to the nines with uh, with name brand this and name brand that, and uh, he's he's always got his his shit together, man. I'm not Hoovy fashionista, but I you yeah know, yeah. Okay. Hey, speaking of which, one time I was on the uh, uh, in Dallas, I was getting off an American Airlines flight, and I was on the tram getting to the next flight, mm-hmm. and I look over, I go, look at this motherfucker, it looks like Hoovy. Oh shit, it's Hoovy. <laughs> hey, what's up, man? He's awesome. like, hey. Hey, baby. Uh, How you doing, baby? The juice. The juice, baby. All right, so Gucci or Louis Vuitton? Both. Both. Dom Perignon or Christophe? Both. Both. Are you a Ford guy or a Chevy guy? Chevy. Chevy. Do you like blondes or brunettes? Mexicans. <laughs> whatever color they are at the time are you a dog or cat guy dog do you like family guy or american dad american dad i like them both this is showing our age a little bit but are you an eddie murphy guy or a dave Chappelle guy Ooh, i can that can be both eddie murphy and his time dave Chappelle this time for sure yeah a mac or pc I would say PC. Okay. A wrestling question. Are you a Waffle House guy or a Cracker Barrel guy? Waffle House, without a doubt. Boom. Xbox or PlayStation? PS. Monster Energy or Red Bull? Oh, Red Bull. (laughs) I'm hopeful they're listening so that way I can get a sponsorship with them. Oh, Red Bull. Look at this, (laughs) huh? Yeah, Red Mysterio. (laughs) All up in your face. You got the Bull 619. That's it. (laughs) And last one. uh, Your finishes. Are you rather do the 619 or the Huraka Rana? Man, I'd say the 619. Huraka Rana was good during its time, yes. Now with the knee injuries, I'd stick with the 619. Cool, cool. Although some guys complain about the 619 because they always get the knee brace in the face. That knee brace in your face. (laughs) I've got that. You busted my ear open a bunch of times on the head scissors, right? Oh, yes. But then again, you get it with the Huraka Rana because that wraps around your ears too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. All right, guys. So that's it, man. My interview with Ray Mysterio. I appreciate you, Ray, coming out and seeing you. It was so good chopping it up with you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise, man. I had such a blast. You're like a brother to me, brother. Same. I really, really appreciate you coming down. I know we live about an hour and a half away from each other. Mm -hmm. Not too far. But uh, after being on the road, it seems you might as well live in in New York because that's how far it could be, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Had to be exact. It was an hour and 33 minutes. Hour and 33 minutes right now. We're literally close. Really close. That's right. That's right. Brother, love you, Brand. Love you too, Vito. Thank you very much. Always. Make sure I start plugging this beer, but I need to get them six packs in. You're going to get right. some right now. You All get right. a four pack. They're the craft beer. They, they, put it, they put it in, in four packs. I love this, man. This is really, really good. I highly recommend it for you guys, man. If you haven't tasted it, you got to try it. Orle, orle. Hey, where can anybody find you at? Instagram, 619. I am Lucha. Facebook and Twitter at Ray Mysterio. No TikTok and no Talk Tick. So, yeah. Anything else going on with you? You got any? Uh, you got your Roots of yeah. Fright that I'm wearing right now? Yeah, Roots of Fright. Uh, got to check out that gear. They're always coming up with some dope new designs. Uh, they're on top of uh, the newest editions of Roots of Wrestling, Roots of Boxing, uh, Jiu Jitsu, you name it, man. The Ali, the Tyson gear that you see out there, that's Roots of Fight. So log on, check out their, their page. And I actually have a cool... A project coming out which i can't say that much right now but stay tuned because it's gonna release possibly before the end of the year 
and hoping that it kicks off by next year, 2021. You guys are really going to love it. I really think you will. There it is. Keep your eyes peeled. Check them out on Instagram. And uh, there you go. There's Rey Mysterio right there. Viva la raza. And there you go. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. So much fun just catching up with my boy Ray, hearing about his time going back to WWE and now working with his son Dominic who's out there just carrying on the family tradition and and kicking butt. Really, really cool to see. And not only Dominic, now I'm seeing that the rest of the family's involved also. Very, very cool. And just so much fun catching up with my friend, my brother, and just seeing him still go at it and do his thing, man. He's still one of the best in the business. I watch him go and I'm like, wow, this guy, he's still got it, man. He's hes just so good and he just he just gets it. He's a guy that just gets wrestling. And it's, it's, a, it's a really tricky business. It's a tricky business to get and to have the longevity that he has is really, really awesome to see. And I'm just so happy for him and so proud of him. So again, I hope you enjoyed that and we'll see you next week on the podcast. Be safe, God bless, and viva la raza. Bring the heat like mad or we need to the rhythm of a 